is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dow Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today I am delighted to welcome a dear friend, Janet Foudy, to the show. Janet, welcome. I am so excited to be with you today. Caroline, it is truly my privilege and I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Now, full disclosure to our global audience, you and I have known each other for a good long time (laughs) and right understatement. So we were in undergraduate school together and it is such a joy to have followed your career and watched your leadership over, over the years, but you've got this incredible new book called Arrive and Thrive, Seven Impactful Practices for Women Navigating Leadership. And you co-authored this book with Susan McKenty Brady and Lynn Perry Wooten. And I'd I'd love to hear how you three extraordinary women came together to write this book. Well, Caroline, it is truly, I I, I, um, share your sentiment about how much fun it's been to watch your career. You and I started in very different places and it's really wonderful for um, just sort of come full circle and be back in conversation with you. So you are absolutely right. I have two wonderful co-authors um, from Simmons University, and Deloitte and Simmons have a long-standing relationship focused on women's leadership. And the, you know, the short version is our teams were together, and Lynn was about to transition into the role as the president of the university. And somewhere along the way, someone got the idea that the two of us um, and, and Susan would be good co-authors for a book on women's leadership. We took a pretty giant step back and thought there's been a lot written and talked about here. And we really only wanted to do something if it could be different. And what we found is there was a lot written in and around how to get there, how to climb the ladder. And then there was a lot focused on survival. And we really wanted to shift the narrative. And Caroline, it very much sort of matches sort of how how you talk about the world is we wanted it to be about when you are there, and we can talk about where there is, we wanted to make sure women were well positioned and gave themselves, frankly, the permission and the tools to thrive. So that would, that's what that's what really motivated us and inspired us to, to begin this conversation. Well, it, it is exactly that, Janet. And I will tell you, you know, I'm an, an avid reader and have many uh, leadership authors on this show, but I, I truly appreciate that it is different. It's very action step oriented. And you also call and, and bring in the wisdom of, of thought leaders who are well known and then others who, who you shine a spotlight on. So it's a collective experience. I, I had to think, knowing you personally, that were you thinking about your daughter too in the future of the world of work? And of course you have a son as well, but clearly there's a women's lens to this book. Did that impact how you wrote it? So certainly um, I, I, you know, my daughter is, and my son are at the center of my universe. So I was thinking a lot about her, but Caroline, I was also thinking about the large number of women that I've had the privilege to mentor, sponsor, and be around and how they could, through either our stories and or our tools, depending on how you learn and how you like to absorb and process information, how we could just share a little bit of that wisdom or perspective um, broadly with the women that were important in all of our lives and that we've had the opportunity to touch. And I think the book is very multi-generational. So certainly for the new leader, all the way up to the C-suite executive. And I appreciated that as well. You know, we could talk for hours. So let's honor that there's a lot to get to here. And I want to cut to the chase and ask you, 
What's a skill set that has helped you thrive on your career journey? So Carolyn, I want to get to that, but I just want to jump back to your point around sort of the where this where this book is positioned from a level and age perspective. When we wrote it, we originally thought about writing about sort of more senior women who were in their first C-suite job. And what we found is that this is really all about women stepping into leadership for the very first time to those who are very senior in their career and the experiences that we all go through of re-arriving and, and, and wanting to thrive in that next role. So you're absolutely right that it is, it is targeted um, very broadly from, a, from a, a leadership perspective and a wide, whether you're stepping into your first team leader role or into your next C-suite role, that was really our intention. Okay, I'm going to pull that thread. So what I love about that is the word re-arriving. And my goodness, this is an interesting time as we continue to navigate the pandemic journey. So many women around the world have taken a, a very different direction and they've, they've shifted, they've transitioned. Uh, some are jumping into the entrepreneurial world and many are, are just moving in a different direction. So they are reinventing or reinvigorating careers. And I believe that this book will help them navigate that journey. Are you seeing that, Janet, from your vantage point in the corporate world? So there is no doubt the last handful of years have fundamentally changed um, how women are positioned um, broadly and in and each of us individually in, in the workforce. We certainly know there was a pretty significant exodus of women from the workforce given the caregiving responsibilities that we all carry naturally in our collective societies. Um, and that intensity and pressure was, was a lot. What I'm inspired by, however, is, and we're not there yet, I would say this this movie has not yet been written, is what does this next chapter look like for women? How do we take advantage of the flexibility that's been created by the use of technology and frankly, the, the distribution of the workforce much more broadly geographically, um, as well as creating the space to do entrepreneurial things. I'd love to just tie back to your previous question around sort of which of these practices and, and maybe in, in the spirit of this question of women doing different things, if you'd indulge me, I want to talk about um, hiring yes. a bold vision. By all so, means, please. Especially when you were talking about people changing roles or taking big leaps. Um, this is the chapter that I'm maybe the most passionate about personally for women in particular. Because when I started my career and you and I were spending a lot of time together then, I would have said that I was not destined for leadership. And a big reason I would have said that is I did not believe that I could be a visionary. And the reason I thought that is because I thought that a visionary was someone who woke up in the middle of the night or first thing in the morning with a new idea that no one had ever thought of. And that was not me. And I did not see myself in that mold of this brilliant person who just woke up and had the ta-da idea. What I found and what we've really focused on as we thought about this book is the things that so many women are so good at, which is really listening, looking for the white space, connecting the dots, and then creating followership in and around how you've connected those dots or where you found that white space is an incredible asset that women have. I think a lot of women can shy away from either taking the next big risk and or thinking that they can lead because they don't have that, whatever that spark is that, frankly, hardly anybody actually really has. And so I, I love this idea that 
that inspiring a bold vision can be that that dimension of how you lead can be acquired through many, many different directions. It is not necessarily just the, the Shazam moment. So you talk about being willing to take a risk. There's a lot written in, and it's in the book about failing forward and uh-huh. thinking about or re, looking at, at failure in a different way to say, this is not a, a deal breaker. This is just the beginning. Let's take it to the next step. This is iteration. This is how we get better. So did you get comfortable with failing and trying again? And did that help you become an inspiring visionary leader? It's so funny, Caroline, because I feel like when people ask me to share my biggest failure, I want to say this week, this month, this year, this decade. Right. right? Yesterday. So, yeah. Yes. Right. Exactly. And so this idea of resilience, I actually think ties so much into the question that you've asked, because I really believe that I personally have had certainly more than my fair share of things that when I look back and in the moment were not by no means would you view them as a success whatsoever. But I absolutely learned a few things there. One is around asking for help and really recognizing that asking for help is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. And that was a big transition for me in and around the times when I failed because I didn't ask for the right help or didn't raise my hand and ask for help. And then the other thing is how... Um, how important it is to surround yourself with people who will challenge you and push you and stretch you. And that can be really uncomfortable. And that can can absolutely demonstrate the places where you don't have strength. But so in, in my, for where I come from, so much strength comes from that ability to show that vulnerability and to get absolutely comfortable with things that do not go the way that the made for TV movie or script or book would go. Because I certainly have had way more than my fair share of those. Okay, we're going to talk about vulnerability, but we'll be right back after a quick break. Hello there, it's Caroline Dowd Higgins. I know that hiring the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who can customize content to meet your goals and someone who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Meeting planners around the world have recognized me for being easy to work with and uniquely suited to create dynamic programming for your needs. My style is high energy and engaging with practical takeaways that participants can implement in their lives and careers immediately. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create healthy workplace cultures, or prevent burnout in your organization, I create customized content to help recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. From the boardroom to the training room or the convention hall, I will help your audience thrive. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. You can find me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So Janet, vulnerability is uh, a hot word these days. And some people uh, feel very comfortable being vulnerable. Others fear vulnerability. Personally, I think it's a very uncomfortable thing, but I 
cherish that because it makes me stronger and more courageous and more brave. But I coach so many women who are in work environments where vulnerability is not something that is welcomed. So as a, as a C-suite leader, how did you create a culture that provided women the safe space and the psychological safety, and not just women, to be vulnerable? So I've, I would agree with you that the word is in the vocabulary. Authenticity and vulnerability, both are words that when you and I started our careers were absolutely not in the conversation. You got it. Um, for me, when I was about a decade into my career and I found myself um, with newborn twins um, and um, as a senior manager, which is a step in professional services firms that it's right before becoming a partner, that there was no way for me to have two separate selves, have a work self and have a personal self. There was so much coming at me. And frankly, that was survival in that moment. What I found was by allowing myself and within the context of the environment that you're in to be more vulnerable and more authentic, that that created such a different strength in my team that I was sort of off to the races from that, from that moment, Caroline. When I was able to share bits of myself absolutely contextually appropriate that it allowed others to be more comfortable and confident and being themselves. And we certainly know in the research certainly well demonstrates that that creates an incredible virtuous cycle of people being comfortable in their own skin and being able to sort of contribute more to the conversation, bring more energy and passion to their work and all the goodness that comes of that. So I guess I do believe that creating an environment that allows people to be more of themselves creates so much stronger results that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So once I had that sort of aha moment for myself, um, that that really sort of reset the tone of how I thought about vulnerability and authenticity. I'm and so glad. I think you know, you know, I do not come from a business background. My mom's an artist, my father was a scientist. You know, this I didn't grow up in this sort of in, in a business pedigree. So for me, when I started my career, it was about fitting in and watching what everybody else was doing. And I was adaptable. And then what I found out a decade into my career is, is creating that space for myself under that sort of high pressure situation ended up being, I absolutely would not be here with the privilege of talking to you today if I'd not sort of figured that out and been able to build teams and organizations that, that shared that value. Well, I thank you for giving women and men permission to be vulnerable because as an executive leader, you're role modeling that behavior. And you and I have certainly experienced the change over the decades in leadership. It was very much command and control when we were launching our careers. And and now check your ego at the door and, and be empathetic and be an active listener. Certainly be a subject matter expert, but it's wonderful to see humanity in leadership very differently than it was even a decade ago. And I think that women, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that that is of, I think that's real. it's important for everyone to your point. Um, and when you think about how you create an equitable and in- a diverse, a diverse and inclusive workplace, equity sits at the core. And I do think this is a really important part of the equity conversation. Um, and so I, I think we, ha- we as leaders have to keep pushing. And for, for your amazing listeners, 
I would encourage you to, to, to test to test where those boundaries are uh, with your teams. And, and if they are not where you want them to be, you know, certainly know from me as, as an example that when you can role model that behavior, how much it creates success and space for everybody else around you. Janet, you've always been an incredible champion for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And now we often add belonging to that acronym way before it was sexy. And it, it is it is hot right now. Everybody's talking about it. But many organizations don't really walk the talk. They, they have it on the website and it's in the company mm-hmm. values. But you are really boldly making it happen. Tell us a little more about that. So I think it's, there's a couple things I would say. One is that conversation is grounded in the true belief that an organization that lives by those, the the website values and credo, credo is actually better. And we do better work for our clients. We have better retention of our people, all that, that it truly is at a, a differentiator. And then Caroline, I guess the, the key for me, and I have the privilege of sitting in this seat is tone has to come from the top. Yeah. Because, and, and as you highlighted earlier, you know, we, I feel the need to lead by example. And I really, really challenge um, my team and my leaders to lead by example um, to that end, because otherwise it does ring hollow. I want to talk for a minute about sponsorship and it's not, it's, it's, you know, touched on in, in the book, but it's something that I feel is so important to your question around belonging. So, you know, we sort of now well understand the importance and difference between mentorship and sponsorship. And just my sort of my quick two cents on that is sponsorship is when, when those that can help you are willing to invest their political capital not just their time, which absolutely mentorship is time and great advice, but their political capital to help you advance, solve a problem, uh, move an agenda. And for us in our organization, I actually think one of the biggest differentiators is that we've really challenged all of our leaders to, to, to be very deliberate about who they sponsor and to make sure that their sponsorship is not of just, just a people who walk, talk, and look like them. Mm-hmm. And that has really changed the conversation for us. I the love other that. Thing that. We talk about, and I'll just be very brief on this, is from the, you talk about tone from the top, is really understanding where you're moving the needle around diversity and where you're not, and being rigorous. I'm a quant by background, Caroline, as you know. Mm-hmm. Being around studying your data and holding your leaders accountable for for moving the needle. And a big part of that is creating environments that people want to be a part of. I love that. So Janet, we could talk all day, but I want to honor your time and our global listening audience. And two questions as we wrap. How do you invest in your best self? Because I do think it's important for everyone listening to think about what they have the power to control and how they need to really honor what they need as uh, healthy women and men and, and leaders on a professional journey. So great question. I will tell you, this is probably the practice in our book where I continue, continue to evolve the thing I learned from, from, from Susan, one of my co-authors, which I love, is that 
Um, creating the space for reflection is not wasting time. I'm a one foot in front of the other person and you keep going and you keep going and you keep going. And she's really pushed my thinking to create the time and space to actually reflect on what you need. I've always been really disciplined around um, creating boundaries and space for my family um, and my health. And I use the word health very broadly. Um, and, I'm, and I am um, incredibly disciplined around creating those boundaries and have been for my entire career. You could say, well, you have the luxury to do that today as a senior person, but creating the time and space for fitness um, and for being with my family um, and friends is something that I've always created the time and space to prioritize. So let's unpack that before we we begin to wrap, because I agree with you wholeheartedly. And what I think I'm hearing you say is that you can't do it all, all the time. Is that? So I, I try to sort of shy away from the, you can't do it all phrase, because I'm never quite sure exactly what that means. What I can tell you, Caroline, for me, is that in every chapter of my personal and professional life, I've worked to figure out how to keep things that are the most important in both of those worlds to create enough time for them. And if it gets out of balance, you know, I don't like the feeling of guilt whatsoever. And if it ever gets out of balance and I start feeling guilty too many days in a row, that's telling me that something has to change. Um, and so I've always sort of used that frame. And, and for me, that's been a change in, in either the role that I'm in, the way that I'm creating the space, my intentionality around, um, around technology and when I, when I use technology and when I don't. And I've been very, very specific and deliberate in every chapter around making sure the things that are the top of my list get the attention that they deserve. By the way, a lot of things get sacrificed along the way. I hesitated in in my your my comment earlier. You know, there was a chapter of my life where I absolutely did not invest as much in my friends as I would like to, because my family and my clients they were you know one A and one B. Family always one A. And so it's not to say, and maybe I am circling back to answer your question. Um, have I had everything exactly as I would want it in every chapter? No, but I've been very clear about the things that really matter the most in every chapter and been absolutely disciplined about making sure they have the time and space. Yes. Janet, I am so thrilled that you spent time with me today. And as always, I learned so much from you. I want to tell our global audience about this incredible book. It's called Arrive and Thrive, Seven Impactful Practices for Women Navigating Leadership. And of course, global audience, I am speaking with Janet Foudy today, and her co-authors are Susan McKenty brady and Lynn Perry Wooten. Janet, thank you. I treasure you and I am so grateful that you're in my life. Thank you so much, Caroline. Truly wonderful to be back with you and thanks for all that you're doing to help women know the most important thing is you're not in it alone and there's so much we can learn from each other. Thanks, Janet. And if you like the show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps new listeners find us online. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.